0: Hello, hello friends and welcome to another action-packed episode of the Nintendo Gems podcast. My name is Connor and today I am joined by my ever lovely co-host, Brayden. I think we agreed to stop doing that on the last episode. And I think maybe last episode we talked about how we agreed to stop doing that the previous episode.
1: Yeah, I suspected that you didn't remember, so <laughs> I I was prepared. But uh hi,
0: Brayden here. What's up?
1: Not much here to talk about some nintendo and these games have been out for a little while now same (laughs) as our tears of the kingdom episode we let Uh, that one cook some more than others exactly but glad to be back
0: what do you uh what do you got for us for us what's first for us yeah we're back to our
1: normal trajectory here where we discuss a switch game then an old retro game
0: a game for switch a game for something else? Yes, indeed. We're going to start with
1: Pikmin 4. <gasps> Hooray! You have some beef with this game
0: that well, I'm looking forward to uh, getting through a little bit. And I mean, I haven't played it, first of all. Yeah. I don't know how I could possibly have beef with a game that I have not played. Yeah, but you like Pikmin, right? I love Pikmin. Well, so
1: there's... What's the problem, officer? I don't... This game's been out for several months. I believe it came out in July of 2023, and this is now early October 2023. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it's it, it was one of Nintendo's big launches for the year. And yeah, I played it and, and we'll get into it. But rest assured, I will be sure to nit- nitpick that about you, that
0: you haven't played this for some reason. <laughs> well, I have history with Pikmin, as do you. We have comparable histories with the Pikmin series, yep. you know. And I don't know. I the Nintendo Directs leading up to the release of the game put me off a little bit. I don't like I'll say it. I'm sorry. It's over. Okay. I don't like Ochi. My boy Ochi. I don't like Ochi. Uh-huh. I'll say it again. Maybe if I played the game I would learn to like Ochi. Uh-huh. And I especially don't love talking. In Pikmin games, like a whole bunch, I don't think it should be in Pikmin games, a whole bunch. Okay. And what I've heard a lot of is that there is way more talking in this one, and I'm still like, "Cheers of the Kingdom," is is still fresh in my mind. You know. Yeah. That that was a talky game, and I don't know.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, and and we'll we'll revisit some of it. Okay. But uh, yeah, like you said, we're pretty big fans of Pikmin. We've played all of the entries. I didn't play three until it was re-released for the Switch, but I was very eager for four. And it it started out a little rough for me. I'm not going to lie. I was worried when I first booted it up. Pikmin four. Pikmin four. Yeah. Pikmin three kind of ranks as like the lowest of (gasps) the three games in, in my perspective. Wow. We can break that down if you want, but, um, and four opened up quite similarly. You are, you're not Captain Olimar, you know, you're, you're these random space cadets. You're, you're actually the rescue team who is sent to rescue Olimar from surprise, a crash landed planet. And it opens up in like this hub world type thing where there's a bunch of different characters I was a little concerned cuz you can't quite tell how big this hub world is going to be. And it like you said Ochi's there. It feels like a bunch of weird new mechanics are being thrown at you all at once. But
0: but even in like the like tutorial of the game? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's all pretty right off the bat.
1: The game actually opens with a tutorial playing as Olimar, and you have a a dog equivalent of Ochi, and so it tries to kind of show you the ropes, and then it shows that Olimar is like in peril, and the rescue squad, I can't remember what they're called, but your team is sent to the planet to rescue Olimar.
0: Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's pretty, pretty traditional Pikmin fare you yeah. know, from that perspective. Pikmin 3 was a departure in its own right because it had, instead of kind of one main character or one main character essentially split into two with Olimar and Louis, it had like a kind of diverse cast of three characters. Right. Three main characters and they were all like constantly playable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pikmin 4 seems to play with that structure in a different way. There is there like a main... Yeah, in you main act- squad, are they're like, yeah, you well, you actually
1: design your playable character. Like okay. there's like oh. a, a small quick, like not many options, but character creator. And then you do have like this core team from your your emergency rescue team are like fixed characters and you they're not playable or anything, but you know, there's there's the ranger and there's the medic and there's the pilot and so like, you know, they all have the roles and personalities.
0: Do they in the gameplay? Not in the gameplay. No. Okay. Maybe I heard that the wrong way and got ahead of us a little bit. Maybe it's kind of layer upon layer of almost Pikmin tropes. But mm-hmm. right, it's my my thing about Pikmin and Pikmin 4 is like Pikmin is such an old series, mhm, but there's only now 5 games. There was Hey Pikmin, you know, that we right. on a 3DS. Uh-huh. That that was a game. Yep. Um with a and... gorgeous Amiibo. Yeah, of course. The Pikmin tropes is such a shallow pool to draw from, right? You know, there's only three real, <clears throat> real Pikmin games. Yeah, and so you know, tropes. I don't. I feel like it's more like just series conventions at this point. You know, there are only there's only so much frame of reference. Sure. Well,
1: and so I guess to explain what I mean by this trope that uh, we're getting at, so. Olimar actually didn't crash land. He is he has gone missing on the planet, mm. and but then your rescue team crash lands, trying to go get in to rescue Olimar. Okay, so your team, your squad is scattered. Um, you are alone essentially, and as and so the whole point of the game is to reassemble your rescue squad so that you can then find Olimar. And so as you find them, they offer you different benefits in this hub world. One of them will. It's like you're you're paying for character upgrades and like items, and so like bomb rocks. There's ice bombs, you know, different things like almost weaponry, as well as movement speed, um, Pikmin pull time, stats, instead. stat upgrades, essentially. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so one of them will upgrade Ochi's abilities. It's it's an interesting array of characters and how they put them in this hub world. That was the first
0: jarring thing, right? Mm-hmm. Just. And is a that, lot of characters, like you said, a lot of talking a lot of, is, and that's all thrown at you kind of at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is what deters
1: me from playing it. Mm-hmm. There's like a steep two hour oh, learning curve. You know what I mean? Just where you're kind of like, am I doing things but like, right? Learning
0: what? Is it still Pikmin? Oh, it's ab- it's so Pikmin, though. Like, okay. let me get there. Okay. Let me get there. Okay. Let me get there. Well, keep going. I'm going.
1: Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good because the game is gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. The game is great. I can't say... That I can't agree with. Yeah. I can't say the music is quite as iconic.
0: That's unfortunate.
1: But I mean, like, it's it's hard to beat, like, Pikmin 1. Yeah. Iconic music, you know, just the ambient nature of
0: the whole soundtrack. It feels like cheating to allude to a pre-recording conversation. Uh-huh. Uh, but we were talking about Super Mario Bros. Wonder, which is right around the corner as of time of this recording. Uh-huh. And I don't know. It maybe it's like a direction of, like the way that Nintendo is taking the Pikmin franchise from mm-hmm. here, as opposed. Like I think it's a, a different artistic direction that Pikmin one was taking. Yeah. Than it oh, seems like Pikmin four is taking. I believe that it's Pikmin as heck. Hmm. But I'm tell me more about how. Or before... or go through what's new, whichever.
1: Well, before we knew much about Pikmin four, and maybe even like talking about Pikmin three deluxe. We, I've always said, I want all the Pokemon, I mean, Pikmin, in one game. Mm-hmm. And I think it can work. And you're like, mm, but there's like a a balance that needs to be struck. You know, whether it be like a power balance or just like simply for puzzle, like puzzle solving, you know, like. You
0: turn it all into stats. Yeah. Is that, is that? No. Is that not? Okay. No. No. See, that's. What's this, they, how do you do it?
1: They structure it really well. Uh-huh. You can actually only have three. Different types of Pikmin out in the field with you at any time, but all the Pikmin are here. Right. Plus two new
0: types.
1: They're all here, and so if like it satisfied me. Um, some of them are harder to get in the initial stages, like uh, the white and purple. They can only be found underground for a while. Okay. But then all the Pikmin colors have onions in the end. Okay. Really, as a veteran Pikmin player, it's really scratching an itch that I've been wanting for a long time. I want armies of whatever Pikmin I want. Mm. Don't make some you... of them harder to acquire. Don't make some of them like more obscure. But they really they give ample amount of puzzle solving to each of the unique styles of Pikmin and what they're capable of. So there's there's fire puzzles you know you, there's a good amount of swimming involved. You'll need the yellow, particularly for electricity, but some are,
0: you know, they they fly higher. So, do you decide what Pikmin you're bringing with you for like a mission or to like just go to a a like a like a level?
1: No, once you start a level, the onion lands with your ship, uh-huh. and from there you can withdraw.
0: Whatever po- whatever what? Pokemon, Pokemon, Pikmin, um, whatever picky mans yeah, that you want. Yeah, exactly.
1: And so just to up go to, through them, Up
0: to how many? 100. It's still that's 100. That's so interesting. You, it, it makes me think that they would up the number. Right. If there's, that's, I mean, we talked about this sort of, but you can only bring three types with you. Yes. Okay.
1: And so to go through them, there's red, yellow, blue. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yep. White and purple less classic, but classic nonetheless. Yes. Stone and rock. Yeah, rock. Thank forgive you. me. And flying.
0: They're all right. They can hang. Yep. And then newly added Uh-oh. are OG men. Nope, ice. Ice. I can okay, I can chill with it. <laughs> ice and glow. Okay. So, how are how are the glowmen? I
1: I'm counting on my hands here. That means there are now 10, ten which seems somehow incorrect. But, um, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Is, or is, is that math? That's nine. That's why right? I was concerned. Yes, because I think... I don't know how I ended up with ten fingers up. What's but. that
0: weird Olimar looking one?
1: The bush looking, bushy headed dude?
0: Yeah, right? There's like a weird Pikmin that looks like an Olimar. I don't... Am I making, Maybe I've been thinking of something else.
1: I think you might be thinking of one of the kind of main enemies of the game. It, Basically, like, people who have crash landed on this planet are turning into, like, these bush bush creatures. They look more like the the astronauts than Pikmin. Mm. But they are bushy. They're leafy. They're yeah. uh, plant-like. And so, I wonder if that's what you're talking about.
0: Maybe. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so, just to kind of get rid of some of your concerns regarding the, the whole balance of gameplay and having all these different Pikmin. So, A, yes, having three types— inherently, out on three types out on the field, that is, right. inherently so reduces the, the, the unbalance. But it's really cool. The ice Pikmin are a great addition. If you throw enough of them in a body of water, they can freeze it. So then you can walk over said body of water. So you can either choose a bunch of blue Pikmin and go to the other side to carry something through water, or you can use ice Pikmin and then take your purple Pikmin across to... Lift the heavy object. Flying Pikmin can also reach the high places that yellow Pikmin could often reach. Mm -hmm. It gives you a variety of problem-solving tools that feel slightly interchangeable, but also like you're getting to implement your own strategy at the same time. And what of Ochi? Ochi is perhaps the biggest variable here. (laughs) And he basically acts as a large Pikmin. Um, he he has a variety of functions. A you can ride him. For all,
0: for the those listening at home, I don't uh, think we've said it. I yeah. don't think it's been said out loud yeah. here now yet. Ochi is a dog. They yes. put they put a dog in Pikmin.
1: All, a large dog. The
0: the, uh, the astronauts have a dog. Mm-hmm. There's a dog character. Yes, his name is Ochi. And
1: and he does stuff. It's not. It's not a character that hangs out at the hub world. He follows you around the mission levels, and and has a purpose. Like has, that's cool.
0: That's cool. Has good for
1: him. Core functions. Good for him. The most basic being, you can ride him. You and your Pikmin, they'll kind of hang on his back, and and Ochi can swim them across water. He's a little bit faster than your character. He's like a vehicle. Yeah. He's just like a like a. A yes. vehicle for
0: you and your Pikmin, yes. more or less.
1: You can use him to attack, and they—he doesn't do a whole lot of damage initially. But you know, you can ram him into an enemy, and then all your Pikmin will jump onto the enemy and start attacking from there, which is a a great feature. He's able to carry things back to either your ship or an onion. So if a a certain treasure calls for 50 Pikmin needed to lift it up, he can contribute 10. Or if you've Mm. upgraded him... He's a big Pikmin. Yeah. A vehicle and a Pikmin. Yes. And so
0: really, he's just like this... this... (laughs) (laughs) V-Pickle.
1: V-Pickle. Really, he's just like this multi-tool that at first, I did not like either. But he feels like a really good way to address some... like.
0: Pretty standard. It's like a somewhat elegant solution to like modernizing some parts of Pikmin. Exactly. I I mean I don't I don't like that it's a they they made it a dog. Mm-hmm. I don't like that they gave all Allamar a dog. Yeah. In this one. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, it's fine, but um I do appreciate the function of it. I do. I like that it makes terrain easier to get across. I mean, less of a headache, at least, while not eliminating the puzzle-solving combat utility, like, making streamlining it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I can respect the hustle. Yeah. But, I,
1: I don't know what to say to totally justify his existence, because from a distance, without having played the game, without having experienced, like, just how kind of organic it really does feel in the context of the game, he... he he is helpful, and does. it doesn't feel invasive. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel like overpowering either. You know, he is not cheating to use Ochi. Right. He is... Ex- you are expected to use him, and he makes the game more fun. And the quote-unquote core Pikmin experience is still there. Oh, absolutely, yes. So there are underground puzzles similar mm. to,
0: I guess, Pikmin 2. Um, yeah, what is, like, the game structure? Like, what is, like, the, is there, it's not, like, open world, is it? No, it's not.
1: Um, from the hub world, you choose a level, essentially, like you would any other Pikmin game. There's a day cycle, so you have 20 minutes or 30 minutes, however long a, an in-game day takes, um, from sunrise to sunset. And you try and collect as much treasure as you can so that you can power up your ship. And find your crewmates to then rescue Alamar. Um, is is the the typical routine of the game? But you
0: can play at night. You can play at night, which a series first. Yes, <laughs> like that's like that's the that's the scale that the Pikmin franchise is on. Is like. After twenty years in a series first, you can finally play the game at night. But you okay in Pikmin four. And again, it actually feels
1: better than it's gonna sound, I think. But it's not like you're playing these whole levels at night.
0: Right. I they, I like that uh for the record, let me Do you know it's like a mini game almost? No, I don't like that as much as what I thought. What what is it? What's being at night? You base it's basically um, tower defense
1: kind of thing. It's like it's like a um, what it was in Gears of War, where horde,
0: like a horde mode,
1: kind of. It, yeah, Firefight, it's Halo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you have these two. <sighs> <laughs> Shit, no, it's gonna make it sound dorky and what? lame, but it's fun. <laughs> um... <laughs> All right, so glow Pikmin. Oh yeah, glow Pikmin are the ninth Pikmin. They're these. They're the, They're like ghosts. They're green little ghost Pikmin, mm-hmm. and. They only come out at night and they produce the medicine for the leafy, bushy crewmates for the guy, the, your, your, anybody that you find that is plant-like and has the bushy head. Yes. You need glow Pikmin medicine Uh to cure them. Right. Naturally. Yes. Yes. Naturally. So you go out at night. And all the big monster enemies are trying to destroy the Glow Pikmin's bases. And so you have to either make it until daylight, or kill all of the enemies, so that you can access the Glow Pikmin's medicine. And and that's that's long story short. That's like you know, you you survive ten minutes, You eliminate all the enemies, and the glob pigmen are like, "Thank you. Here's a glob of jelly that you take back to cure
0: your your crewmates with." And you build your crew. You build your crew. What does that? Is that the the objective of, of the game? Is there like a threshold you meet of like a certain number of crew members rescued or something? That's the crazy part. No, <laughs> that's, the, that's the crazy I'm part? I'm taking
1: that back. I don't like the, how that sounded. Um,
0: <laughs> that's
1: interesting because after an area or two, you do start learning. It's not just your crew that are missing. Like As soon as they heard that there was treasure to be found on this planet from Olimar random people started coming like TV mm. celebrities. There's like an influencer. There's a classroom of students that came to like, check out the the planet and everybody's like crash landed. Some of them have been infected by this bushy disease and some of them are just fine, but there's like citizens from around the galaxy that are also you recover on this planet. Okay. And so the threshold of recovery like, to forward the the main storyline, you mm. need to find your crew. Mm-hmm. But... Do you build, like, a little community with you, all your, your folks? Exactly. And so that's kind of where the hub world comes back in. Everyone that you rescue starts appearing in your hub world. Some of them have objectives for you. Like, the botanist is like, for every 100 Pikmin you meet, I'll give you, like, some resources. So that you can go buy more items or upgrade Ochi, whatever. Mm. Um, and then the the treasure collector, he's like, alright, oh, so you found, like, 25 new pieces of treasure? Like, here, here's some resources for this, you know, like... But, the hub world never really advances past just a bunch of people standing around. Is it cute? It's... It's not particularly cute. Like, it's... Well, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I... I think I said in the start, like, the hub world was a little off-putting, and it stayed that way. Maybe I didn't, but... You might
0: have. I don't remember you saying that, but you might, you might have.
1: Like, I feel like the whole upgrade screen, mm-hmm. overworld, like, it could have been in your spaceship,
0: kind of like a menu, kind of mm-hmm. like Pikmin 2. Well, is it, like, fun to do? Or is it, like, worth, worthwhile to do? You have to do it? Do you have to upgrade your stuff? You don't have... I don't believe you actually have to upgrade anything.
1: And, and like, the game... The more... Citizens you rescue, the wi- the wider the space gets, the hub I mean, world. It grows. But, I mean, it's not very big from the start. Like, it's just... it's. I don't know. It's a missed opportunity, in my opinion. Okay. Like, there could have been a few extra features added in there. How many missions are there? I think there were, like, seven different areas to explore. All pretty varietous. Like, they, they feel... F- fun there's the first like indoor uh environment actually you're in a house okay. which is pretty cool uh which and it
0: feels like amazing that it took this long to do that just there i feel like there was something like that in like pikmin 3 and one of like the bonus missions I, or something but wasn't it like
1: a backyard or something
0: like you're, you're actually inside Maybe a living not. a living room in this okay. one uh, yeah oh okay like GB robo style. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Interesting. It it was it was neat. I don't know, man.
1: Just it's a Pikmin game. If you've played Pikmin before, you you know how it works.
0: Um but it just you, you described describe so many things. So many like the resources. And you got trade your resource. stuff for stuff. And it's is it called resources?
1: They're not crystals, but they're there's something akin to like crystals uh refined zonite yeah or <laughs> you use this resource to pay for your upgrades but the pikmin can also use them on missions to like build things so you kind of need to prioritize how you want to use this resource i and, and crystals is probably like the best term to call them sure but uh pick crystals i'm kind of bummed because i don't think i've done a good job of like making it sound fun and also well... we haven't even
0: talked much about like what the gameplay is, but I mean, we have, because we have a, my understanding was that we had like sort of a primer on the Pikmin series already. Yeah. Having covered one and, and three deluxe. Yes. Um, you, we don't have to, we can baby the listener into, no, uh,
1: no knowing I,
0: what Pikmin even is, but it's I, a little late in the episode for that, isn't it? It is.
1: And, and I also just, there's not a whole lot new. They just made it a lot of it feel more full. They really did expand on the limits of what a traditional Pikmin game has been. I think a lot of that can be attributed to having all nine Pikmin types available, minus the glow. I didn't mention you can only use them at night or in caves. They okay. don't they don't like the sunlight. And so Okay.
0: Are caves like a significant environment?
1: There yeah. The subterranean caves, mm. the subterranean areas essentially they Yes, there's quite a number of them. They're all multi-level. And that's where the deepest puzzles really come in. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of... No pun intended. Yeah, nice. That's, yeah, that's where a lot of the problems... Because you can only take three Pikmin down there. Mm. You can't reload your army if you lose Pikmin. And so it does give you recommended Pikmin types before you start a subterranean, subterranean level. Uh, and so it's like, you're probably going to want some red, some flying and some purple, you know, and you don't know why. But once you get down there, there's going to be some high up stuff or some really heavy stuff, you know, fire enemies.
0: Interesting. If there were anything about it in particular with, I mean, you being a series veteran as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm a series veteran. I've played them all, but it, did, it feels like it almost doesn't count or, or something. But I mean like just sell me on it you know what what would i like about it it's just
1: plain fun It, it feels like the best of pikmin it's not the i i don't know if it's the best pikmin game but all of the best elements they i feel like they've managed to extract i've heard more hardcore Nintendo fanboys than us, be like, Pikmin 4 is going to win game of the year. And I'm like,
0: you're kind of delusional. They Um, said that about Splatoon 3 too, I bet. Yeah. I bet they're going to say it about Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Just,
1: it's not, it's not that vast, but it's just, (laughs) but it is fun. It is engaging. It does make you think. And there, some of the, Some of the subterranean puzzles really take a little bit of creativity. You know, you you have to use multiple Pikmin in conjunction to their strengths Mm -hmm. in order to capture a treasure or defeat a boss. You know, it it can be challenging. Um, And then there's this whole philosophy thing called Dandori, which I still haven't been able to figure out if that was like a a Japanese philosophy ahead of time or if they made this up for Pikmin. (laughs) But... Dandori is essentially order of operations. Make sure that you've planned your day and everything you need to accomplish accordingly and in the most efficient way possible.
0: And that's like, Dandori is like the name of that philosophy. In Pikmin and, 4. And it. that is found in Pikmin 4. Yes. In the story? Like throughout, like as a theme? It is as a, yes, as a theme. Okay. Um, Anytime...
1: Do you remember the Pikmin 2 multiplayer battles? Yes. This has Dandori battles. It does, but it's basically identical to that. Okay. So you're in this arena, and you know there's treasure and a handful of enemies, and you're sending your horde
0: of Pikmin out to collect the most treasure, defeat the most enemies, earn the most points. And whoever loses just like has no grasp on their life because they're dandori they don't have dandori
1: Exactly they, they have
0: to, they had to reprioritize everything Exactly something's right. wrong Yep there's no flow to their life there's no less intention or they are simply not as flowy or intentional as the winner right But all the the grassy anytime you fight one of the grassy
1: astronauts the plant the grass astronauts. Yes Jeez you're on fire <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry uh any any of the encounters with them result in an, in a Dandori battle, and again, sometimes it's really difficult. You know, I, I they they've balanced it well. All of the Pikmin feel like they have a purpose at some point, and I don't know. I maybe it was time for Pikmin to go open world or something. You know, I it still feels like a small game compared to Tears of the Kingdom, which came out a couple months before it, or you know, it's just it's it's a smaller nintendo production but it's okay. tight
0: and it's it, clean all of the, all of the new elements make it sound too big and which is interesting
1: and again that that was my first that was the first 2 hours of my gameplay and probably a lot of people's is like this feels like it's going to be huge and then eventually it scopes back down and you're like, okay, this is this is all digestible. I right. I I do actually understand what is going
0: on, sure. and I feel
1: in control again.
0: That's so interesting. I'll I mean I'll try it someday. Like yeah. I have to. It's a new Pikmin game. It's mm-hmm. just like I've just been up to more important things. Yeah. Maybe personally, other more important things. What, what, what else think, do you me... What else do you have to say about Pikmin Four?
1: The last weird tidbit before we move on Mm -hmm. is that there's, there's currently an argument going on on the internet about whether it has retconned uh, the rest of the Pikmin series.
0: I did think of this earlier
1: and meant to ask about it. Um, yeah, go on. It's almost impossible to determine based on like Olimar has these like logs that you can pick up, you know, based on his adventures through the planet, all the treasure descriptions, often feel related to previous games' treasure descriptions. But based on the story alone, there's no way to determine where this actually fits in the timeline. And the most common theory is that this is just a total rewrite. Yeah. My favorite theory is that it's based on the bad ending of Pikmin 1. Oh, and I don't think Nintendo is taking it that seriously at all. They're no. not uh making a split timeline for Pikmin or anything.
0: Not anytime soon. They're, no, no. It, They've learned from that with Zelda. Yeah. Um.
1: Well, and the the game, the game as a whole doesn't require that. Like the story Certainly. is not the point of any Pikmin game, and that's partially why I didn't like three the story is still my least favorite part of four. You know, I don't need all these characters. I don't need the hub world is cute. It is also underwhelming, but like, I don't want to need to talk to all these people. Let mm. me play Pikmin. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's not the point of the whole, your Dan Dory's out of order. If, <laughs> if
0: if the ploy if the plot is the point of Pikmin for you. Yes.
1: But it is interesting just that the story references, Olimar coming to this planet and doing totally sure. different things than we've ever seen him do before. That's and then
0: the most prevalent one that I've heard is that it's like generally a reboot mm-hmm. of Pikmin. Yeah. But then I'm like, why is it called Pikmin 4? Yeah. Why call it, like why call it that? They
1: and, and I had that thought somewhere while I was playing it. I was like, they should they could have called this something different. They could have realigned this. This could be Pik not Pikmin World, you know
0: what I mean? It's not that well, it's not big that enough. Be cute. Um, but Pikmin bros three. Yeah. (laughs) Pikmin land, Pikmin country, Pikmin wonder, (laughs) they wish. Mm.
1: But yeah, that's my last, uh, tidbit of information is just that this is a weird entry in that regard that, I mean, I I think the first three kind of just tailed each other back to back to back. And now this one, it confused me at first when, when I started that tutorial as Olimar and he's, discovering the Pikmin for the first time. Mm. I'm like, what? You know, you don't know these guys, but different things are happening than in Pikmin 1. And so it was,
0: you know, it was jarring. That is interesting and jarring. I didn't know. I don't think you said that earlier. I don't think you said that all was like meeting the Pikmin. I
1: I don't think I mentioned it earlier either, but
0: it's, that is the case.
1: And it becomes less important, you know, as you understand that this is a, essentially a reboot or, or Dare whatever. I say alternate time, you know, whatever, who, who cares? Mm. That's all I got for Pikmin. That's all you got? I think, yeah, let's, I, hey. Do you recommend it? Or do you yeah, like it? Yeah, go, go, go fucking play it. Cause like, and, uh, cause, like the, I, I hate, I don't know. We're, we're, we've been discussing it for a minute now and, mm. and I don't feel like I've done it justice.
0: Well, I, answer this. Is this where people should start with Pikmin? I think, yeah, I do think that's fascinating to me, too. I believe you. I think I mean, I don't know Mm -hmm. if nothing else. That seems to be the case. Yeah. Even if it's not my thing, even if I play it and like it or play it and don't like it, I think most maybe most importantly, more importantly than me liking it is that this seems like the new benchmark. Yeah. For it. Every, think, everyone that's played it seems to agree.
1: Yes, and not even in a bad way. If you are a series veteran, I'm not saying you won't enjoy it. I think you very much will, but it's also a great onboarding point. And, and you know what? I think that's where my thoughts stemmed from, actually. They shouldn't have called it Pikmin 4. Mm. More newcomers to the series would have played it or
0: would have, would be willing to try it if it wasn't 4. Oh, man, you know Miyamoto was like, Hands on the on the conference room table slammed and he said, New Pikmin. We're calling it New yeah. Pikmin. But uh Doug Bowser just was shaking his head and no. he said, It'll never fly. Not not in that not in my country. Pikmin for Doug 4. Bowser shaking Doug... my <laughs> fist at him. I'll get you Mario. <laughs> but yeah, right. I, anything else? Can I talk about the my game that I liked? Yeah. Why we're here. Yet. What you been playing? I've been playing... What? F-
1: why weren't you playing Pikmin
0: 4? I was playing Final Fantasy 4, better known in our territory, possibly, uh, as Final Fantasy 2. It is the fourth game in the Final Fantasy series. Okay. Uh, it was called Final Fantasy 2 in its original North American release on the Super Nintendo in 1991 because uh, the Final Fantasy series... Is a Japanese series of video games. Yes, uh, a series of video games of probably exclusively Japanese origin. Um, I would, I would, I think bet money on. Yeah, and, and and if and if you know how long Final Fantasy's been around and how many Final Fantasy games, you know, that's that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a big bet. Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy came out for the NES in North America as Final Fantasy. Final Fantasies 2 and 3 came out in Japan and not North America. By the time Final Fantasy 4 rolled around and they decided, hey, let's release one in North America again, mm-hmm. you know, it's the fourth one. Let's just uh, forget about it. Let's <laughs> just, just, just just, just, put a dash on there. Uh, and so it's Final Fantasy 2. Okay. And that's what my title screen says while I'm playing it on my original Super Nintendo, on my CRT TV, in my living, my not my living room, my bedroom. And I've been having it in my rocking chair, and I've just been having the time of my life. Nineties style. Nineties, nineteen ninety one. That's wow. like not even nineties yet. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Final Fantasy VII is like the nine, the nineties. So, Final Fantasy. You're so hip. You're so cool. I'm uh, I'm pretty tubular. I am pretty far out. I guess that's seventies. You've been... been playing it a long time. See, you say that when you think. Of Japanese RPGs, especially the old school kind, you think of how long they are, how many hours they take, how drawn out some some of the encounters are, uh, how much grinding they take sometimes. Um, But my clock on this one said 30 hours. No way. Uh Uh-huh. 30 hours. That's my final save. I did have to grind at the very, very, very tail end, which we'll get to. Um, That's like the only sour spot of my whole 30 hours in there. Uh Uh-huh. Um was about two of those at the very tail end but Uh beyond that and beyond those 30 hours and literally beyond it with the final encounter and the ending just a sublime little video game experience i'd say i swear it
1: feels like i mean and maybe you have in short bursts but it feels like you've been playing this for months
0: (laughs) well i did take about a month off uh you know
1: Okay, so this released on the Super NES and I mean this is by this is far from the first JRPG released on the console, let alone the standard NES. What what kind of what does it play like? What
0: can you compare it to? Is it genre defining? Yes. It is genre defining. Okay. By and large. Um It, I mean, ninety one is really early. Yeah. Uh, it might be the first. It's not the first RPG on the Super Nintendo, but like it almost is. Mm -hmm. You know, compared to Final Fantasy VI, which was like I, I think ninety five or ninety six. I don't know. It's but it it's it's very archaic. It's very old school. It's yes, there were three Final Fantasy games before this game, but as far as like Final Fantasy. Well, I don't know. That's I was about to say like this is like the real first one, like the defining one, but yeah. and while there's truth to that, um to making that statement, uh I mean certainly you had to have like the job system and stuff from Final Fantasy three first mm-hmm. for Final Fantasy Four to subvert that system that and make it something meaningful, you know? Yeah. Um it's kind of how I feel about like Tears of the Kingdom, is it's like you needed some breath of the wild in there first, yes. and then I needed some Tears of the Kingdom. And then now a third one, a trilogy completer, could really make something pop yeah. off. um you know, I Final Fantasy Four feels like the whatever RPG essence was floating around video game, and there was there's i mean, it's i'm let's start at the beginning. Okay. Role-playing games started with Dungeons & Dragons. Sure. And I play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons in my time. Mm -hmm. And I was immediately just, like, captured. Final Fantasy IV is an old-school role-playing game, right? Right. It's not only is it old-school in video game terms, but it's built, you know, those old-school RPGs are built on the framework of Dungeons & Dragons. Role-playing, like, old, old old-school Role-playing games, right? Yeah, that so, whole
1: different defi- the definition of role-playing game has shifted so far.
0: Yeah, it's true. And so, for a role-playing game like Final Fantasy IV, is different from Final Fantasy III because in Final Fantasy III, for for the Nintendo, if you're following me, mm-hmm. um, you got to choose. You have a party of four characters, and you're playing turn-based combat battles. You know, mm-hmm. and then you're running around an overworld and like talking to people leveling up, you know, RPG stuff. Um, but in Final Fantasy three, you got to choose each of your characters' jobs, their their roles, essentially. Like, are they a, a white mage, a black mage, mm-hmm. a warrior, a rogue, a ninja, you know, like what class they are, what they do, yeah, their function. And that's kind of how you conquered challenges in that game. That's how the encounters were designed, is that you could kind of adapt your own team or try different builds or things, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, experimentation. While Final Fantasy IV, the one that I played, is is fixed. All the characters in the game have fixed fixed roles, fixed jobs. You know, that's the Final Fantasy etymology, that's the term, is job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, that stuck. Ped- like, it sounds pedestrian, but this was kind of the first... It's the first time that like a Japanese RPG kind of like went for it and went for like a huge scale narrative with like high stakes drama and a cast of like that cast of characters like in Final Fantasy three, you pick your four dudes at the beginning in in, in all the Final Fantasies. I think prior to four, you pick your four dudes in the beginning and that's who you roll with through the whole game. That's your party, right? Sure. But in Final Fantasy four, you start with the main character. And then you get your best friend and then you meet, you get your girlfriend. She's the white mage. Uh. uh, And then your best friend betrays you. So you lose him. Yeah. And then you meet some mage twins. Like the, your cast of characters is constantly revolving Mm -hmm. as is your party makeup. What roles, what classes you have in your party at any given moment in the story. Which is story-driven, though. and it's Yes, and, and the progression of the game is story-driven. There is a, like, especially for the time, I can only imagine a wildly impressive open world. The mm-hmm. map is really big. Yeah. It's really cool. It's, like, actually very impressive. And, yeah, I mean, it's just like any other RPG, you know, Paper Mario. You got your different towns and your different settlements. And the plot moves along kind of, like, in chapters. There's no chapter, like, you know segmentation or bookmarks, but like, I just loved for, thir- for you know, 28 hours before the grinding, uh-huh. um, it was more like 25 hours. Um, I spent a lot of time grinding there <laughs> at the end. And again, we'll get to that. But, you know, it, it was between save points in the game, it was just like, I, I clock in, I get my little episode of Final Fantasy 4, mm-hmm. I go through a dungeon, I fight a boss, I get like a cutscene, and then I get like carried to my next des- destination, and there's a whole new town, and then I go turn it off, and I go to bed, right. and that's my episode. That's my TV for the night, you know. Yeah, it it really still feels revolutionary for video game storytelling on some level. It's not, it's not sophisticated whatsoever. Um, it's very archaic, archaic and rudimentary. You know, like the blue text boxes, like the story beats, or how it delivers it. The, how it delivers it, the storytelling. Okay, okay. The story is, <laughs> the story we will talk about. We can talk about. Okay. Because it's, you know it's Final Fantasy. Uh huh. And story, you know, the story is just bonkers. It's yes. just nuts. It's just. It does w- whatever it wants. Yeah. But it's also really good. It's really good. Uh huh. Um, but how it tells it is archaically, you know, it's, it's pedestrian to us. Because we grew up with like, I don't know, Pokemon on the Game Boy Color, mm-hmm. you know? Like and Link's Awakening, you know, there's storytelling in that via two line text boxes and Sure. Characters that move four directions on an overworld map. But they're really expressive in Final Fantasy Four. And I was just charmed. I was very quickly charmed by the antiquity of Super Nintendo theatre.
1: Ooh, that's that's a, okay. phrase,
0: that's a phrase that I like thought of very early on. I was like, "This is just like you know, it's it's worse than TV." <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's not worse than some TV that I've watched recently. Uh-huh. Um, it's better than it's better than a lot of TV, frankly. I yeah. don't know. It's just interesting. It's cool. The characters are well defined. They have distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. The the obviously like logically. Genius endpoint is that their characters' personalities tie into the jobs they have. Yeah. Um. Obviously, so, one of the main spoilers for you know a thirty year old, a thirty plus year old video game, but one of the main character, the main character changes job classes as a plot point. Ooh. Um. Cool. He changes from Dark Knight that he it's and that's what the story is about is like redemption. Okay. He starts as a Dark Knight and becomes a Paladin. Oh. Okay. And nice. So, yeah, so it's storytelling, it's blue text boxes, it's Mm -hmm. Super Nintendo graphics, 16-bit pixel stuff, um, but it's effective enough. And something else that's cool that happens is the scripted battles. You know, it's using its own, you can tell that it's the first time maybe ever that they're using characters entering a battle. With each other as like a as like a storytelling device. Interesting. Because there's like dialogue in the battle. Yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's and so you get a boss down to like half health or something like that, and then you know uh, your ally comes to your rescue. Yeah, and...
0: exactly. Or like, you you think you're facing a conventional boss fight, but it like one shots you, you know, out of oh, nowhere, and then it's oh, like, cool. oh, now it's plot time. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. There's just there's some really cool storytelling stuff. You know, in the limited, in the extremely, for our time, archaic and limited ways that it could deliver its story, mm-hmm. it's firing on all cylinders. Wow! It's archaic, but it's still impressive. Uh-huh. Is ultimately the point? The story itself is is effectively told. Um, I love. All, I like all the characters. They're. <laughs> You know, in those blue text boxes, you can only fit three lines at Mm -hmm. a time, and so, you know, they fit as much dialogue in there as they can, (laughs) but it still works. The story concerns Cecil. He is a Dark Knight. He is the leader of an army um, that is kind of on a, like a conquest, and he's a little conflicted about it, because he had to, like, slaughter a whole village to get their crystal, the village's crystal, and he's moody about it, and then... um, and then he finds out that like his boss is evil, and he vows to be a better man. And then he eventually becomes a paladin. And then he talks in dot dot dots for the rest of the game. <laughs> okay, uh, that's he is still he's like they're they're well defined characters. I'm yeah, I'm hyperbolizing and joking a little bit with that. I don't know. I'm rambling a lot. Do you have any Any other questions yet? I mean, how does it look for? a Super Nintendo game. Because, I
1: mean, yes, you said 16-bit graphics, but, like, those can be gorgeous. The leap from NES to Super NES, mm. the graphics are amazing. It's true. You know, and so how, you know, how does it look?
0: You know, the battles are static. You know, I haven't talked, we haven't talked about the battle system yet. Yeah, no, I was... Well, I we'll was, get there. Was... Um, the battles are, are static, but the way the battle system works, um, you know, everyone, there is is kind of, always action on the screen if that makes sense yeah it's just you know when when a character is not taking an action you know it's a still sprite of a monster they're or not five. even
1: like jogging or like bobbing a little bit no <laughs> okay um,
0: and not even the characters are either they're uh-huh. they're static on the other side of the, the screen until they like move forward to attack or like cast a spell or whatever but uh-huh. the the spell animations are really cool mm-hmm. the sound design is awesome yeah just through and through the monster sprites are pretty detailed for the most part, I guess I mm-hmm. mean you know it's ninety one it's early Super Nintendo, so yeah, they did their best and I've seen some Final Fantasy Six sprite art, and y- you know they they certainly learned something <laughs> okay uh eventually, but yeah, it's all cool um the final boss fight is psychedelic as heck mm-hmm. um. Especially running on my little CRT TV, it's just like melting my brain. Yeah. Firing photons into my eyeballs at like the speed of light times infinity. It was great. I'd nice. do it again. But um good.
1: Okay. It it
0: looks good. So it that looks that good. wasn't it sounds immaculate. Um Nobuo Uematsu is like th- one of the most historyed video game composers. Out there, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I would say practically second to Koji Kondo. Yeah. Um. Potentially, he's been the composer of Final Fantasy since the first one. Um, I think ten might have been his last mainline entry. Final Fantasy ten. Yeah. But you know, in a way, he's not firing on as many cylinders as he would go on to be in Final Fantasy six. Mm-hmm. But. He was firing on more cylinders than he was on Final Fantasy three, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. A new, a new palette of instruments, and you can tell he's just like loving it. Yeah, with yeah. With yeah. these lush orchestral symphonic scores. Uh huh. Um, you know, here's something that I do think that I theorize, purely theorize. I don't know for certain. I theorized started with Final Fantasy IV, the post final battle, post final battle victory lap where it shows you all your old places that you like visited. Yeah. And, it and all plays... the
1: characters you've interacted with. Yeah. And... All the
0: characters and how they're living now. And it's playing like songs and motifs sure. from throughout the game, but like arranged and modulated in a way that it's like upbeat and happy, uh-huh. you know? And it's like forever long, but it's great. And you love it. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the first time that might've ever happened. Oh, really? Really? You think? That's my theory. I have I haven't like fact checked this, but uh-huh. I mean, if not, then like I don't early, know.
1: Early, it, yeah, it's early days. There there yeah. have not been the opportunity to create that kind of no.
0: And I mean, other game. I mean, any I know I can think of NES games that kind of do it a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Not this. Not as sophisticatedly. How sophisticated and like just bombastically it takes its vit- it's um its victory lap. You yeah, know? it's like twelve minutes long.
1: Oh, my God. It's long. And the credits aren't even rolling at this point?
0: The credits roll at the end of it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But it's cool. Let's see. The battle
1: system. Yeah. Tell me about the battle system, because I'm about to do a little research okay. upon the start of this conversation, cause, but, but I'm curious how it plays, because it, it's the first for Final Fantasy, right?
0: Yes. It's, um, it's, I mean, hell, it's arguably, like, the most important part about the game. Um is that it is the first Final Fantasy game to implement the active time battle system. Right. Turn-based, yes, but with a twist. Every character has a speed stat, and the speed stat, more or less, it might not even be tied to a stat. Uh, I'd never looked at the character's stats hardly at all through mm-hmm. the entire game. thats We can come back to why that is later, too, because it is kind of for a reason. But in the active time battle system... It is still turn-based, but every character in play has like this meter that fills at a different rate. Um it's a, it effectively it effectively functions as their speed stat. Right. And like what their turn order is? I think it's got to be related to the actual speed stat though. Like how fast the bar fills. It's possible there might be a speed stat I didn't really look at uh-huh. um the stat screen that much. That's kind of on purpose. That is kind of for a reason. Okay. Um but and and I do think I mean it gets faster as you level up certainly maybe mm-hmm. it is a speed stat but it's just kind of the enemies have their own bar too yeah and the weird so so it creates it creates this like natural pace of combat where you ha- you do have to make decisions like on the fly if mm-hmm. if you don't make your turn if you don't take your turn like enemies will continue to take their turn right you know um it ac- it adds like sort of an action element to it mm-hmm. and yeah it, you can still pause it, which I found was interesting. Okay, even especially for like the Super Nintendo version, as old as it is, you can pause the battle. Wow, um, you can't like look at anything. You can't like you know look at your options or anything, but mm-hmm. you can you can take a breather. Yeah, it's not it's not like cruel with it, which does make sense to me though, because like I imagine for
1: some of the longer haul boss battles, like Final Fantasy and JRPGs in general are known for their massive health pools and just bosses with multiple phases. And and if you're needing to pay attention to these bars filling up and timing, you're not timing your attacks, but you want to get your attack off as soon as you can, as soon as that bar's filled. Like, you know, there, that's a lot of uh, attention to rhythm and attention to speed and timing.
0: Now, you are using all the correct words mm-hmm. because I think the to me like the, the the greatest lesson as far as like game design goes that i've learned from this game i think is pacing uh-huh. i think the i think this game's pacing is pitch perfect like almost the whole way or even if it's not perfect i learned a lot about how far video games have come mm-hmm. in regards to pacing it's it's that episode of television thing that i was kind of talking about like the the points at which you're allowed to save and quit you know, the flow of battle, the yeah. flow of battles, how quickly they go or don't, how many battles you encounter, you know, the random encounters on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on floors of a dungeon, how many floors the dungeons have. The pacing is just like always at a clip, always at like an enjoyable clip. Yeah. No dungeon is ever too long. No combat encounter is ever really too long. Again, until until the the end. Uh-huh. It's just it's just lopsided I guess. Um are any of the encounters too short to where they get to be annoying? Not necessarily. They they I don't know if I was just like if I had just like bought in so hard to it at that point that I didn't care, but like mm-hmm. certainly you do have you do random encounter into like smaller enemies sometimes. Yeah. But that's kind of the brilliance of the structuring of this game in particular is that like you aren't going through those old areas very much, right. very often. You don't have to. Uh-huh. It gives you, if you have to go somewhere across the map, it gives you a vehicle. Ah. You know, you have the airships and stuff. Yeah. Eventually, at certain points in the story, you have access to airships and like you can bypass certain terrain to get to your next. You know, it's, That's it's, cool. it's it's very elegantly designed. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole progression and brand. Yes, oh, that's... it makes it feel it even though it could just be chapter based like, you know, linear, it makes it feel grand. It, it's got this whole big open world. Mm-hmm. I could go back and like go to the starting area and like explore the fauna, you know? Yeah. I remember what's back there, some goblins and some some eye creatures or whatever. Mhm. But it ma- it does help the world building. Yeah. I don't know. It's um and again, all that combined with the encounter design and the makeup and that along that that kind of the the beauty of the combat is the active time battle system combined with your fixed party at whatever point in the story you are versus the designed encounters around that party Yeah, yeah yeah the beauty of the execution of the game is how well it onboards you because it starts you off with your main guy cecil the black knight Mm -hmm. and then you get his best friend kane who's a dragoon the black knight can basically just attack He Uh just has like the attack command. The Dragoon can attack and jump. The jump is a special attack. It costs nothing, but it, he has to be, it's like fly from Pokemon. He has to be out for a turn, but it does more damage. Interesting. So the first boss is, the first boss fight in the game, like, I don't know, half an hour in, is just you, is just Cecil and Kane. Cecil fights, Kane jumps. The boss has one attack. And also phases out for a turn. Uh, okay. He just, like, disappears. Uh-huh. So you learn how to time your attacks, you know, yep. super early on. And same with, like, whenever it adds a new party member. It'll have, like, enemies in the given area will be kind of, like, tuned around you now having the ability to heal with your white mage or something. Maybe it'll be beefier or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's constantly doing that. You know, your, your party gets some wacky characters with some crazy abilities sometimes, and you're in crazy situations. I mean, just spoilers to name a few. You go to the moon.
1: What it
0: did? Final Fantasy Four did the underground map thing before Elden Ring. Okay. Um, you go into a the Tower of Babel. You go into actual
1: Tower of Babel, like um,
0: biblical. It sure is called the Tower of Babel. Oh
1: my gosh! Um,
0: You sure do go into a giant robot and work your way to its core and fight the core, you know, to shut it down. Oh, my God. You do some cool stuff. It's a cool game. It's a really cool game. <laughs> they just do it. They do it all. They do it all. And it starts, sm- it, and it starts so small, you know. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the beginning and end of the day, it's a story about humanity. It's about Cecil, you know, redeeming himself. There are other plot elements in there, like the main enemy may or may not have a connection to Cecil. Mm. They may or may not actually be um, <laughs> children of moon people.
1: Okay. They, might
0: not, they may or may not actually be actually moon people and not humans. I don't know. It's really tough to say. One last little thing. Not last, unless I'm done. No. Um, is uh, something I really appreciated in one of... I'm just going to go over a few of the clever encounters that I thought that were cool. There's one cave that you have to go in in the story, kind of early on, where all of your it has a heavy magnetic field. Okay. Um. So you have to take off all of your armor and your weapons.
1: Wait, seriously? All of your metal
0: ones. It it like different weapons and armor have like different properties like unseen properties. But you have to take off all that stuff, and you have to fight your way through the cave, and it's and it is kind of grueling, not too grueling. Yeah. But it's grueling enough, and then you get to the boss. And you beat him up enough to where he turns, like, the gravity or the magnetism or whatever back on. And uh-huh. so you, then you just, just get to, like, wail on him. Yeah. And that's, like, the first, like, dungeon or cave in the game that you don't pretty much get immediately teleported out of.
1: Oh, okay. And that's
0: because it's easier coming out. Right. So you just, like, waste through all the enemies on the back on the way back. I thought that was really clever. That's really neat. Shoot, what was another one? How clear is it that you need to take off your metal stuff? Will they just not work when you're in a battle? You die immediately. You die as soon as you enter a battle in that cave. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Something that I thought was really fascinating and made me think about the rest of the Final Fantasy series was at one point in the story, one one of your main recurring characters is a summoner. You know, summons are a big thing in Final Fantasy. Uh characters are always summoning monsters to help them and some of the monsters are kind of like um Shin Megami Tensei that we talked about before are based on like other mythologies, like real world mythologies. Yeah. Um hence the Tower of Babel. Yeah. But there's one point in the story where you go to the village, this like magical village where the summoned monsters live. Oh. And they like speak English and are like, Thank you for summoning us all the time, Ridia. You know, are you, what the it's heck just neat. dude? There's just so much neat stuff. Why did they keep making games after that? After final fantasy four? Yeah. I mean, apparently they get better. Oh, something that was fascinating really early on the first village. Um, there's a tutorial like room. There's like a schoolhouse. Uh-huh. There's a schoolhouse in like the town or whatever. Um, and there's are schoolhouses in other towns and it's the, you know, it's kind of like a Pokemon center. It's the same on the inside. It's just tutorial stuff. Yeah. Um, but inside there's like eight people you talk to and they're like you know weapons do attack these are your <laughs> stats this is what stuff does um you can get over water with a thing or whatever um one of them is be sure to keep multiple saves just in case are you serious <laughs> yes um be sure to save like your progress more than like um you know i don't know and i thought that was fishy I and I did it. I started saving my file across all four files that were available, Uh and one time I did that, and two of my files were gone, and I don't know why. I think it might. I really think it might just be in the hardware. Yeah,
1: and they were aware of that as they were developing it. Like I guess so.
0: Sometimes our shit deletes. I think so. I think it was just like a safety thing, like like a a, wow. testing, like a player testing thing. It was like, sometimes you you just lose everything you've done. Because you were playing on the original hardware, just to be clear. like Correct. You said it earlier, but I just want to reiterate. And, yes, correct. Um, So I don't know why that is, but I thought it was interesting that they called it, and I'm glad they gave me the tip. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say there was some kind of like story beat where, no. you know, it goes all... Well, uh, I wish. I mean... Undertale
1: maybe... and starts glitching out or something, you right.
0: know. Right. <laughs> I, I wish it were more interesting than that, but I think it really is just like that fallible of physical media. Well, okay. So this game has plenty of re-releases. Yeah. Mm. And I'd be curious to know if that message even carries over into the other ones. Right. Um. I do have some history with this game, I guess, that I haven't really addressed up to this point. No. We Have we talked... You know, what do you remember about the DS version? I know I played three. We have three. We still have three. Uh-huh. There are DS... They're a remix for the Nintendo DS of Final Fantasy 3 and Final Fantasy 4. Um, we own Final Fantasy 3. Mm-hmm. I bought Final Fantasy 4 in, like, 8th grade. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was in high school, but I tried it, and I did not like it. Was it, like,
1: the remade graphics with kind of the chibi characters and, you know, it?
0: Yeah, it, Crystal Chronicles evocative at points? Totally. That's definitely the vibe. It's mm-hmm. the same style as like the Final Fantasy III one and mm-hmm. the Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Rings of... Ring of Fates and Echoes of Time, mm-hmm. those ones were called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm just doing a loose primer on our exposure to the Final Fantasy series, too. It's yeah. something we didn't really lead with that we usually do. But yeah, I, I've played... There's a DS... I played that Final Fantasy four DS remake and I did not like it. And mm-hmm. I sold it back to GameStop. Oh wow. Like one I was of the just, five
1: games we've ever yeah,
0: traded back in. We are super stingy about keeping our video games. Yeah. Um as long as we can. And yeah, I I just straight up took that one back. I didn't like it. I bounced off of it. Uh mm-hmm. huh. And I replaying it now, I remember exactly where I stopped.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And to be fair, it was it was a little boring after that point. Um, it wasn't the most interesting part of the game, yeah. In retrospect, mostly, and like with, I think with the historical lens, mm-hmm. playing it on the original hardware does really earnestly help you paint that picture, yeah. Most contemporarily, there is this series of Final Fantasy pisc- pixel remasters, yeah, like collections, yeah, um, on Steam, on the Switch collection, mm-hmm. um, that are m- modernish. Remake ish. They're just kind of just like remaster. I mean, remaster. I guess pixel remaster is where it gets weird because it's not all pixelated. Yeah. It's not all you know one to one whatever. It's widescreen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it. I've heard really good things about them. I've heard that all of them are pretty solid for what they are. Good ways to play. Yeah, I I've watched some video of like some of the encounters of Final Fantasy Four. Mm. And it looks too different for me already. <laughs> like I'm still, I'm like already like too possessive of my own experience with the game. You know, yeah, yeah like yeah. anything that looks different isn't like good enough. But I mean, it sort of explains why I bounced off of the DS one because that one's really ugly. That one's actually really ugly. Yeah, I think I there's something to be said about like that art style, like the old like low poly model, like almost PS one sort of uh-huh. looking low fidelity 3D but that game was not pretty looking. Nah. The pixel art is awesome in in the Super Nintendo version.
1: I also just think I mean it, minus Pokemon, we grew into RPGs. Mm-hmm. We I don't think and, and I maybe I'm speaking for myself, you can correct me if I'm wrong, well, but you grew quicker. Maybe, I'd I, say. I think I got into them yeah, a little a little before you, but just anything turn resembling turn-based I don't think we gravitated to as to, as kids, and you know we we learned to appreciate them. You know, just that style of gameplay.
0: Mm. I would agree. With, I mean, I feel like you 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 were more about the monster collecting though. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that just kind of happened to be mostly be turn based stuff, uh-huh. maybe incidentally.
1: Yes, like I played Dragon Warrior monsters. Right. That's that's mostly Pokemon. what I'm thinking of. Um, but again, yeah, a lot about that was the collectability
0: aspect. Mm. It's a. I mean, we've brushed shoulders with a lot of Japanese RPGs and and turn paste. I keep saying turn paste, <laughs> uh, turn based RPGs. Like, I mean, we've sung Paper Mario's phrases. Obviously, yeah, very true. That's a little a little different. Yeah. Um, you like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance? Hmm. Um, and some and tactics games in general. I feel yeah, like I've Fire always Blink, loved
1: tactical RPGs.
0: I guess yeah. Most of these have been mostly in our young adulthood rather than adolescence.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But I don't know. In retrospect, like still Final Fantasy four on the super Nintendo feels like a revelation, you know, it feels like a, a revelation and a revolution, you know, it's mm-hmm. all, it's everything. It's, it's the moment. Yeah. It's, it's her, that's her. That's that, that's that girl. Final Fantasy four on the DS kind of just feels like a muddy, like memory.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and okay. So that's her final fantasy IV. Final is F-
0: that. Girl. Absolutely.
1: What I have been trying to research to try and poke holes in your your good time. Boy, uh,
0: <laughs> um, try as you might.
1: Yeah. How much of this is really for the first time? How much of this is groundbreaking stuff? So when you said this was, when we were talking like weeks ago, months ago, when you first started and you're like, yeah, when you said this is like an active time battle system, I was like, oh, I've played one of those. Mm. And I think I know who started it, Chrono Trigger. Uh... Like, and I'm like, so who's spe- who is more special? You know, who's like starting some of this? And my research has concluded that Final Fantasy IV, yeah, did baby, by several years, yeah, it did. And so I'm, I'm just curious how many more awards it can take in that regard. You know what I mean? How, how much like, of this really is? Like the first time ever final fantasy four has done this thing. And then everyone else is like, wow, that's a good idea.
0: Let's, let's pick off that dude. I think it doesn't get better. Mm -hmm. Almost. I think it, it really feels revelatory. Um, Mm -hmm. and revolutionary. Like it feels revelatory in 2023 because Mm -hmm. it feels like it was a revolution. And I, and I mean, it obviously was in 1991. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'd have Earthbound without it. I don't think we would have Elden Ring without it. I right. don't think. Well, we Earthbound have... was my
1: other thought. What other yeah. heavy duty RPGs are there? JRPGs in particular for like the NES and the Super NES. I mean, and we like...
0: obviously would not have Final Fantasy VII. Yes, you know, hundred percent without the, Without the steps that four took, because seven uses the active time battle system. Uh huh. Something I neglected to note about this, the Super Nintendo version of this game, you can't see your meter. Oh. Which I think is fine. Wow, there's a lot of hidden information happening in the Super Nintendo version because they can't, you know. It's a... you said bar. I said bar because there's a bar in the DS version. Okay, and in subse- and in the in the Pixel Remaster, I think even you can see your bar. You can't see enemy bars, I don't think. Uh huh. Um, but in 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 all subsequent games, like seven. The original version of Final Fantasy VII, you see your bar. Yeah, um, it's just this one, and I think it's fine. And I think it's kind of cooler for no. That is hidden. cool. I think it's <laughs> I think it's neat. Um, it's like having health bars and like Monster Hunter. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's helpful, thanks, but like, come on. Yeah, It's a part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Call me a purist. I don't know, but I, I don't know, man. I think I think it really is just like that. It's that girl. I think it did everything mostly first. If it didn't do it first, then like maybe it did it in a previous Final Fantasy game, yeah. or or it was just like facilitated by old school RPGs, kind of like circling, uh, bringing it full circle. You know, the storytelling is if it, it also feels like a D and D campaign uh-huh. in a way. You know, the whole thing with like the characters dying. And some coming back, uh-huh. and uh, you, you know, you just you're rotating cast of characters, and the the high stakes drama, right. and and there's comedy. There's really good jokes in the game. There's oh, wow. really good jokes. Interesting. There's a there's a fake death. Like they fake out a death, and it's funny. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just it it's really got the charm down. It knows how to be charming. Does this experience of playing
1: it make you wish that we, and we've both played different numbers of Final Fantasy games, different spinoffs. And so where has Final Fantasy gone? You know, the, you, are, you are saying, the, when you were talking about the story of this game, it speaks to my mind of what Final Fantasy is intended to be. Over the top, larger than life, magic and mystery, and yes, entering a giant robot, and also going to the moon, and yes, going underground, and mages and armies, and now, like, Final Fantasy fifteen just came out, and I don't know anything about it.
0: Final Fantasy sixteen just came out. Forgive me. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay.
1: It, I promise it's okay. But, I mean, the last... I know fourteen is an MMO, but, like, the last six entries they look so different and from again i haven't even played them but from my understanding is they just they are a different kind of final fantasy and i wonder if gameplay wise maybe there are still jobs maybe there are still but it just it seems like somewhere along the lines final fantasy has shifted
0: i i think the jrpg DNA has just like completely split off mm-hmm. and rippled. If you want more of what Final Fantasy Four is, mm-hmm. I don't think like I think I've got like Final Fantasy six VI and seven and then they start changing stuff. Yeah. You know, I think it'll start really feeling different. Um but I think like, I don't know, when it comes to like it's a that's a really big question, ultimately. Yeah. Because Final you're you're absolutely correct. Final Fantasy for one thing, every final, each numbered Final Fantasy entry, for those listening at home that might not be familiar, and if you've made it this far, what are you still doing here? <laughs> um, go play this game. But also, how did you make it this far? Final Fantasy, every Final Fantasy game is its own independent story. They are not related. They are now sequels to each other. Yes. Um, and generally, after about six, they all start kind of playing different. Actually, more like nine. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think nine sort of like the action RPG cutoff. Mm -hmm. Um, Sixteen is like, I don't know how much like press about it you witnessed, but it's pretty much an action game. Yeah, you know that's my understanding. It's and and not only Devil May
1: Cry, it's God of
0: War. It's there's RPG elements at play, and there's like world exploration stuff in there, and like towns and quests and stuff to Mm -hmm. string it together. And But also the setting is really Western fantasy uh-huh. instead of kind of Japanese fantasy or like sci-fi. Yeah. Um, explicitly. But yeah, kind of when you think of that like composite aesthetic of Final Fantasy, 4 is not wholly the crystallization of it because I think that's kind of where 7 really stole uh-huh. the show Um, a little further down the line. I don't know. Am I am I answering the question? That's that's kind of within the realms of Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if you're looking for a Final Fantasy four like experience, I think you just have to kind of like start wading into the sea of Japanese RPGs and mm-hmm. and decide what you like about the game and you know see what else is there. I think Final Fantasy six is the next one mm-hmm. for me at least. Yeah. But also, I'm now. I'm now to answer your question in a different way, what is, I mean, you know, I've, I've learned so much about myself and what I can do this past month. I took sailing lessons. Mm -hmm. I studied a sailing textbook and I took sailing lessons and I, and I read a textbook about something that was fun and it, and it was gratifying and fulfilling and satisfying. And I played a Japanese RP, turn-based Japanese RPG and it was satisfying and fulfilling and gratifying. And now I'm like, what other kinds are there? Uh You know? Maybe I can maybe I can be a JRPG guy. Maybe I can play turn-based games. Yeah. Um, I mean, as long as they're good. Right. Dude, I've been playing Nino Kuni 2 (laughs) for
1: the last month or so. And at this point I just don't even want to talk about it on the podcast. Really? Like, yeah, I just especially like after this conversation in particular, I've gotten to the point where I just I don't think it's that good. And out of all the JRPGs I've ever played, it's just kind of Mid? Yeah, it's missing just a lot of just heart and mm. uh, depth. You know, it it's not... It doesn't even... I can't even say it's meant for kids. You know what I mean? It's not even like a watered-down, like, ch- kid-friendly RPG. Mm. It's just, like, weird. It feels cheap. Mm. Um, and so... I, I don't, I just inserting that in there. Sure.
0: But, well, I mean, <laughs> some bonus content for the fans. Yeah. Do you, you don't think we're going to do an episode about it? Do I you want to talk about it <laughs> at any length right here, right
1: now? I basically did. I, I'm i <laughs> about to beat it. Um,
0: and I just. Because you, you've been playing it for about a month. Yeah. At this point, right?
1: Yes. And I'm on the final chapter of the main game. Apparently there's a lot
0: of DLC to it. Um, well, I feel bad that then that I've been taunting you with my um my treasured experience of ex- of playing Final Fantasy IV. Well, the pacing is off. Mm. There are a lot of redundant enemy
1: encounters. There's a lot of dumb mechanics that in the in the end, you know, I was trying to spin them positively in our previous discussions of just you know our our personal discussions about what we're playing. I'm like, oh, this thing's cool, but no, it's like. Bad mobile game mechanics. Mm. I don't know. It's just it, it makes me want to play a
0: good JRPG. I my secret is that I w- would not recommend the Final Fantasy Four Final Fantasy Four Pixel Remaster to you. Maybe uh-huh. I don't. I don't know. I I'm just I I kind of would even rather they do like the HD 2D thing mm-hmm. with these ones. Yeah. Just do some, like, take it, like, in, like, a, some sort of, I don't know, take a creative risk. Mm-hmm. With it, I would encourage more than, like, trying to make the original art look newer. Yeah. Just doesn't really cut it. Like, just, like, emulate the original yeah. or whatever, you know? I, if it were on the Super Nintendo collection, which it might be. I I don't know, it. No, no chance. No I chance. Don't... I would say play it that way. But I hear these Pixel Remasters are pretty good still. hmm What else We're, you got about it? Thank you for listening to Braden's review of Nino Kuni two, yep. Revenant Kingdom. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I could keep gushing about it, but uh I th- I think this might be as good a stopping point as any have I are there any th- anything that I'm missing?
1: Final Fantasy just freaks me out. There's so many of them at this point. The stories vary so much from game to game. They are not interconnected and some of them are about giant space capitalism and some of them are about evil trees that are taking over the medieval fantasy world. That's five. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or nine. they, They just... That's the thing though. They can go anywhere and some of them are such garbage and some of them are just, in this instance, the gold
0: standard. I don't I have a hard time believing any of them are garbage. This one, playing, just picking one. I played just, like eleven or something. Eleven was an MMO. Eleven? <laughs> eleven was not in an MMO. I promise. I played one for the three sixty, and it was hot 13. garbage. Thirteen. That, that sure with lightning, the pink hair girl.
1: That sounds right. She huh. wasn't the main character. No. I don't. I don't know. I played one for the three sixty. Uh, it was hot garbage. Okay. Like it was linear. Quali- I think it was universally. Hated as well. I'm not alone in this. I think it was a bad Final Fantasy game. Mm. But, you know, just the whole series is like just so overwhelming to me.
0: I don't know how to cure you of that. Um, me either. I don't know how to diagnose you. I don't know um, what to prescribe you. I do know that Final Fantasy IV is very good in my book. I don't know. I, I simply don't know if I would recommend it to you because I am scared that it's just like too basic. Uh You know, Uh I think it's a really good on-ramp for someone like me. Uh Um, I don't know. I think all the things that like I listed, like that are, I don't know, evidently gratifying about it. I do think you would appreciate and respect, but and I don't think it would be a waste of your time. But, you know, it's I don't know. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that being said, I don't know what other Final Fantasies are like, you know, exactly either. Right. But this gets me more excited about playing the more of them. Mm hmm. I I can't imagine that any of them are like not virtuosic in some way at something. Yeah. Except for apparently the original release of Final Fantasy 14, the other MMO.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah.
0: apparently uh just was sucky
1: mode. Dude, it is cool how they like incorporated a whole event into revamping
0: the game though. Do you yeah, know about that? Yeah, Realm like, Reborn? Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Dude, they just it this isn't even why we're covering why i'm playing this game but they just did um a final fantasy 4 themed uh expansion for 14 Mm. because it's the 30th anniversary or something no maybe not i don't know 91 it's not even 30th anniversary i don't know why they're doing it but they just did it well do you feel expunged do you feel exercised yeah i suppose i think so how about you. Cuz this, this this podcast is for us. If if it's there's true. If,
1: if there's a spirit out there listening, bless you. But <laughs> but this is for us to get yeah, get this... off our chest what we need to talk about about these games we're playing.
0: It's kind of true. And so you know, you feel you good. Yeah. I feel I feel loose. I feel limber. You, I feel like just, I've done it.
1: Yeah, weight off your shoulders because you've been you've been eager who have been playing this game, eager to finish it, eager to talk about it, and I want to make sure you're feeling good.
0: And eager to start something new. Yeah. Well, that's the end of this episode of the Nintangips Podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook, I guess. I don't know. If you use Facebook, I don't know. Follow us on Twitter. What's a Twitter? I don't even know anymore. Um, Like us on... I think the best thing you can do is follow us on, on whatever podcast platform
1: you're listening to right now. I
0: agree. It. I think that is solid advice, and I would uh, ascribe to that myself and subscribe to it myself. Ooh. Um, thank you so much, as always, for listening. My name is Connor. And I am Braden. And we will wrap at you next time. See ya. Love you.